welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C, welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Marlon, Amy, and Dan, and Craig, and Paul so far. Good to have you guys. Remember, there are some online meetings that uh, we put the links for in the notes. There's a Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern. That's uh, any addiction meeting. The link will be in the notes. And then we've got the 9 p.m. Eastern AA meeting that I would suggest getting there early. We're bumping 100 now and we have a 100 limit. If you come in 10 or 15 minutes late, you may not be able to get in. I would suggest coming early. Those links are in the episode notes. The Kingly Man. Marla, you want to read for us? Sure. Um, As usual, our our morning meeting, our down meeting, was very much along these lines. I I think we say that every week. Um, Excuse me. The Kingly Man. My master said, that which acts on all and meddles is none. And metals in none is heaven. The kingly man realizes this, hides it in his heart, grows boundless, wide-minded, draws all to himself. And so he lets the gold lie hidden in the mountain, leaves the pearl lying in the deep. Goods and possessions are no gain in his eyes. He stays far from wealth and honor. Long life is no ground for joy, no, nor early death for sorrow. Success is not for him to be proud of. Failure is no shame. Had he all the world's power, he would not hold it as his own. If he conquered everything, he would not take it to himself. His glory is in knowing that all things come together in one, and life and death are equal. Life and death are equal. Never thought of that. What's going to happen to you after you die? Probably what was happening before you were born. Right. What, uh, is that what you what it means by our life and death equal? Of what's happening is what's happening after your life is the same as. I don't know. I have no idea. Any thoughts? This sounds like mind your business, and um, <laughs> not really. I see contentment. Total contentment. <laughs> Who he who meddles, it, who he who meddles in none is heaven. And it, and it doesn't say the king; it's the kingly man. It's like the traits of a man. Like these, these are the traits you want. It's not that this is the traits of a king. The, these are the the traits you want to. If you have these traits, you. You're uh, you're kingly. Grows boundless. How about this? Draws all to himself. That's the program of attraction. Yes. Yes. But before we get too far, can we please back up to like the my master said that which acts on all and meddles in none is heaven. Can you please help me understand that? Because I get. I understood the rest of it, but I just can't wrap my head around 
first sentence? I, I, I think it goes to control. He acts, he acts on everything as it comes. He doesn't try to meddle in it. He doesn't try to control any outcomes. Um, that's, that, that's, that's what I... Well, no wonder well, I can't wrap my head around it because I want to control everything. So that's why it makes no sense to me. <laughs> if you were an elf, you would understand these things. Um, <laughs> okay. And also, if you were older and wiser, Amy, you would understand. Oh, if you were like stuck a- in the house with Louise for a month, you would understand these things. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I have y'all because none of that's going to happen. So. <laughs> I go, I kind of got, I kind of got drawn to the next part. It says the kingly man realizes this, hides it in his heart. Why would you hide it in your heart? Is that is that just like a, a? Is that not just another way of saying that he keeps it close to his heart, and that's that's what he acts on daily. That's that's how he that's how he lives his life. He doesn't meddle in anything. He just. He just acts on everything that comes along and he does the next right thing and he doesn't try to control, doesn't try to hold on to things. He just lets things progress to the natural, the natural way. What about isn't that, um, that it isn't means... That kingly man, isn't that what being a kingly man is all about? Being, you know, all showing no emotion also. I think that's kind of what, to me, hides it in his heart. Is like you keep your emotions close and don't really... Wear them on your sleeve. I don't know. Or it could be that it's his treasure. You know, this is what he feels is important. Yeah, Paul mentioned it earlier on in the in the, 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 the meeting this morning where he was talking about setting an example, leading leading by example rather than you know, rather than just pushing out this and look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. You know, and and somebody's already mentioned attraction rather than promotion. Amy, Amy mentioned attraction rather than promotion. Grows boundless, wide-minded, draws all to himself. None of that is excess is effort. Dan, I know you've got something on that. Well, yeah, I was actually thinking about the first the first line that which acts on all and metals and none is heaven. Um, and I feel like every one of us, if we've been in recovery and we've done the steps, we have experienced this. That obsession has left us. And it took action and it took work, but it took not our intervention, right? So when we allow the higher power to remove the obsession for us, then we're acting, but we're meddling in none of it. So I feel like that's at least what I got out of the thing. And, and that's like my understanding of Wu Wei, right? Like that non-action, <laughs> which is cool because it's not like, oh, let me sit on my ass and like do nothing. But let me also not intervene in that which is natural and do nothing that way. So what is doing nothing? It's actually abstaining from putting myself into something. So... Uh, you know, we practice this and, you know, you know, we talk about like, we, we have to like practice the steps. We have to live the steps, the spiritual, it's not a theory. We have to live it. Right. And so I feel like that's what we mean by saying we realize this and we hide it in our heart. 
Um, which means we show, we show, we don't tell. I mean, words are great, but man, they're just tools. Words are just tools, they're just signposts. That which we experience is the real miracle, the real lesson. And that's what we hide in our heart because nothing like, how can we, how can we talk about, I mean, we could talk about it, but who's going to get it? Only another who's experienced the same thing or is on their way to experience it. Um, so that's, that's what I was thinking. Does that mean that we, we practice, we practice not getting involved in things that don't concern us? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like minding my own business like allowing allowing the higher power to arrange the outcome not me like i can i can make the request i could be like hey i think this is going to help other people maybe this will help me like grow along the path or whatever but i'm not there to control the outcome that's not my job because when i do i make a mess of it anyways how about this one craig we have ceased fighting anything and anyone even alcohol for by this time, Sandy would have will have returned. Will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, will recoil as from it as from a hot flame. And on down, it says it, uh, we will see that our new attitude toward liquor and could be toward anything else in life that we're surrendering has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It's page eighty four and five in the big book. Hey, it geez. just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. What a schwung, sir, and the 10 step promises have in, have in common. The and page 84. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Paul still got page 84. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Way to go, Paul. So if we act in this way and we stop the meddling, the results are going to be that we grow boundless. We're wide-minded, open-minded maybe. We don't have our mind made up. We don't know all the solutions and all the answers. That's definitely happened for me. Draws all to himself. It's not... and. I thought that would have to do with money. It sounds like that would be something to do with making money or something being prosperous in some way. But the very next line says, and he lets the gold lie hidden in the mountain, leaves the pearl lying in the deep. Goods and possessions are no gain in his eyes because he's living past goods and possessions, right? He's learned that there's no fight, not even a fight for success or in this next couple of lines, a fight for failure, neither one, right? He stays far from wealth and honor. Even long life is no ground for joy, nor early death for sorrow. Craig? Yeah. This reminds me of It's just like Mala says, this is exactly what we were talking about earlier on today. Um, it was a continuation from last week's meeting. It was the 27th verse of the Tao, where it's talking about it's talking about a good traveller has no fixed plans and is not intent upon arriving. A good artist lets his intuition lead him wherever he wants. Um, and it talks about him being open-minded as well. 
Uh, what is a good man but a, mad, a bad man's teacher? He's not rejecting anybody. He's, he's, he's open to everybody. He's um, he, he doesn't set any limits on who who he, not not so much who he interacts with, but who who he helps. I think that's that's um, that's jumping out at me when it's talking about growing boundless. I think it's healthy to have boundaries in place, but you know who are we to decide what's what's good and bad, and who's who's good, who's bad, and who comes into our life for help, and who we're helping, who we don't help. That's not. I don't think it's talking about boundaries. I think it's just talking about that he grows in every direction. I mean, he's yeah. just flourishing. Just like the universe is ever expanding and growing, so are we, right? And the fact all draws to us, like the sponge that draws the water in, you know, like the, the sponge is just there. It's drawing it in. It's not out there gathering the water up. It just draws it in. He draws all to himself of what's really valuable, right? Can I say something real quick on that? Yes, you may. Thank you. I feel like, okay, so, yeah, we're talking about drawing the good stuff to us. But I feel like one of those things that is just a fact of human life and the essence of our consciousness is that we draw stuff to us all the time. And... Before, in my addiction, I drew all the BS to me and the drama and the bad stuff. But when I'm doing the Tao, when I'm doing the higher power, when I'm doing like, you know, what we're talking about here, I have the opportunity to draw the other stuff, like like the life, the hope, the contentment, the compassion, the joy and all that kind of stuff towards me. So I feel like it's just a, I don't know, like, like a law of, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not qualified to, to, to talk about laws of human nature, but for, for me right now, I feel like one of those things that we come with, like out of the box, like part of being human is just attracting things to us. And when we give things our attention, that's what brings it to us. And so when I think negatively about stuff, yeah, I get negative stuff. When I think positively about stuff, I get positive stuff. So like if I can practice Wu Wei or the non-action or the acting on all and meddling and none, then what happens is I attract so much more to myself than just my finite BS negativity. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you. And Dan. You draw all, not good or bad. You draw everything you need. And many times we need something that's perceived, a perceived negative can really be a positive. I love that. Yes. It's yeah. not, didn't say draw good things. It said draw all. Because we don't know what's good or bad. That's a whole part of this too, is that he's accepting life as life is. He's saying that, he knows where the gold is, but he leaves the gold in the mountain because that's not where his contentment is. It's not worth the effort. The same with long life. He says long life is no ground for joy. It's not no reason to be happy because you're going to live a long time. 
Right. So how many times in recovery have I heard things that just rubbed me the wrong way? But later, when I thought about them and internalized them, once I could set aside my ego, I realized, oh, wait, this is a lesson. This is a precious lesson that I can learn right now or put off and come back and suffer and you know whatever later. But, yeah. Nor early death for sorrow. Not even an early death is something to be sad about. Now, that is contentment. Then he says, success is not for him to be, not to be proud of success, nor shameful for failure. What is failure? Well, perspective. So I think once our perspective starts to shift, right, our perception starts to move from that chaos and drama to acceptance and humility of the way things are, then liabilities become assets, failures become teachable moments. Then these become some of the best lessons. Mm-hmm. We don't really learn unless we fail at something. It just teaches us how, how not to do something. Or it shows us that there's, there's, a, there's another opportunity here. There's, there's an opportunity to do something different. If you're open to letting your ego step aside and, and listen and learn the lesson. I just, you know, we were talking about coming, I was talking about coming into early recovery. And I didn't, all those stupid things that people said and the cliches, I'm like, fuck you all. And then like a year or two later, it's like, oh, really? It is one day at a time. <laughs> it is do the next right thing. It's about telling you to fuck you, too. I know. It's like, all those things really do mean something. It's a, an evolution of open-mindedness. <laughs> Being an addict is very narrow-minded. That's for sure. Today, I find it's the best thing being an alcoholic that's ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me. <laughs> and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I'm better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life as, as it actually is. That's page 418 in the big book. This is really acceptance. I think Um, now look, he goes past, Money and having possessions and life and success, long life success, now power. So they grapple with the power question. Maybe their power is an exception. Had he all the world's power, he would not hold it as his own. If he conquered everything, he would not take it to himself. And here's the thing he's found out. His glory is in knowing that all things come together in one and that life and death are equal. I'd like to say something, please. Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to pause and draw a parallel between uh, we have in here, 
this whole thing. He's talking about emotional security, financial security, social standing, mm-hmm. and intimate intimacy. Or let's see, do we talk about sex relations in here? Um, I don't know, but we're definitely talking about emotional security, financial security, and social standing. Which is dope, right? Because this is like some ancient stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, what, what is it? It's like the third column in our fourth steps mm-hmm. is identifying what are we trying to get? What's our more fair share that we're demanding that's actually causing us all the problems? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he's saying right here, he's like, okay, so we're realizing this hiding in our heart. So we are providing our own emotional security by not looking outside for it. Goods and possession are no gain. Okay, great. Like wealth and honor that those are external factors. So we're talking like emotional sobriety here, you know, which is kind of cool. I just wanted to point point or I wanted to share my, um, my experience in, in relating these two things together. Thank you. I have a story from the heart of being by John uh, Laurie. This is uh, Royakan, the Zen poet, had a little hermitage in the mountains. One freezing cold December night, while he was gone, a thief broke in, but could find nothing to steal. Royakan, Royakan was an accomplished pauper. When he returned, he surprised the thief. He felt so bad that the thief had found nothing to steal that he took off his robes and gave them to the thief. The thief left and Royakan, sitting by the window, shivering and looking at the full moon over the mountain, said, ah, such a beautiful moon. If only I could have given him that. What a powerful story. Hmm. Is crying aloud on the podcast? No. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever cheered up on the Dow podcast, but that is such a powerful story. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, he understood this. You know, yeah. he understood this. How beautiful. So, so what if we just take the day for what it is? Is being the best thing going? I don't know. I think uh, in some of the the Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu talks about not caring about worldly stuff. And of course, you know, that's wealth and power and sex relations just for the sake of having those and stuff like that. Like there's this other thing that we connect to, which is, you know, I mean, the Tao and the higher power or each other that thing that we can't really like if we were, if like we were going to sit here and like say, Oh, well it's this and this is what it looks like. And this is what it tastes like this connection with a higher power. Like there's, there's no way that we could transmit that to anyone. Right. So even if, even if we wanted to take the gold out of the mountain, we, we can't, <laughs> we can only, we can only show somebody the way we can't show them the actual gold. It's impossible, which is cool. 
because that forces my codependent ass to do it for myself and then allow other people to do it. <laughs> because the, um, the love that we can describe is not really love. It can only be yeah. experienced. Yeah. Just like describing to someone how strawberry tastes. You can't <laughs> do it. They've just got a taste of strawberry. Yeah. Well, isn't our, our whole credo is about sharing our experiences? It's about giving them a strawberry by, to taste. And living by example. It's, yeah. You know, give, them, give them one of your strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's what it is. It's sharing your experience. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's why it really is all about, yeah, the same with a rose. Yeah, how does a rose smell? Yeah. It really is the same um, um, reason that we share our experience, strength, and hope. We don't give people instructions on what to do. We just share how we did it, and that's why we do that. Is that acting on all? Is that what? Acting, like that first sentence, would that be acts on all? Would that be acting, sharing your experience rather than meddling? It depends yeah. on your uh, intention behind it. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying that word. Because, buddy, right after what you read on page 418 has to be one of my most favorite sentences in this entire book. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Yep. Yep. So you got to know what the what's the intention behind your sharing is it's that um your ego is so big and you've done so well that you want to share or is it because you see somebody suffering and struggling and you want to say hey you know give them the moon Mm -hmm. if your motives are pure then sharing your experiences just because you want better for them yes not because you want to boast yourself no, but it's, it's, you have to realize that we are all one. We're all the same. And we all feed off each other and need each other. And your experience is, uh, you know, we love hearing newcomers because their experience is something we've all experienced too. But it, it harkens us back to the days we don't ever want to go back to, I'm sure. Most of us don't. I think if we ask our higher power to teach us how to love people, the rest of that takes care of itself. Indeed. If it were that simple. But it is. We just meddle <laughs> and complicate the hell out of it. <laughs> Listen, if somebody's wearing the wrong shoes with their outfit, I have to pass judgment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, buddy, that, even... that's, that story you told about, about the moon and the thief, that remind, this reminded me of my grandma. Uh, she... Uh, she lived uh, just about a block from the railroad tracks in a small town. And when I was a kid, uh, there used to be some of the, we call them hobos, you know, bums that rode the train. And apparently they, they knew that my grandma, my grandma's house was the place to come because she, I remember one time I was sitting, probably not more than six or seven. I was sitting out on the front step and this, this ratty looking bum with, you know, uh, smell the booze. And he walked up to the door and 
my grandma started talking to him and, and asked him what, you know, he said he was hungry. And so she went and she, she made him a sandwich. Didn't, didn't pass any judgment on him. Just, and I, and then after he left, I asked her, well, why did you do that? You didn't even know him. He was just this dirty, smelly, old bum. What? She said, well, he was hungry. So I gave him a sandwich that always stuck with me. And, uh, yeah, she, she, she did stuff like that. You know, she didn't have much, you know, they, they were, she came through the depression and they were, uh, they were definitely either at or below the poverty line themselves, but she, she, uh, she would give, this was before all the food banks started to become big. She would always give me a, if she had some leftover, a can of green beans or something, she'd say, you know, go take that to the neighbor, give it to the neighbor. I'm not using it. So I learned a lot from her. And I didn't appreciate it until I got into recovery when I started thinking about some of this stuff. But yeah, I, th- I just wish more people were like that. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. You became like that. So she paid it forward. Well, you know, she led by example. It's a practice. <laughs> oh, definitely a practice. But, you know, and you've, you've had different life experiences than she did, but. Definitely, you learned that from her. And now you just passed it on to us, which is pretty powerful. So I'm going to offer you a congratulations today, Paul, for just being you, for being a great Paul. <laughs> for sharing your strawberry with us. That's it. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> so I guess the question is our, our real purpose in life. We might think our purpose is to make some money and pay the mortgage and all these other things that we do, but is that our real purpose? I guarantee you the kingly man had a purpose that most people would not understand. Is this not the path to spiritual awakening? This is just that a description of someone on the path. Really? Hmm. I'd agree with that. It's my experience anyways. You know, we're, we're just scratching the surface of this, Dan. We're not even, I mean, we're not even making a mark yet, you know? We are, but turning our eyes in a direction, that's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life is just practice. <laughs> it's like, hopefully tomorrow I'll get it better, but. It's, we're just practicing to, to whatever, get better. You know, yeah, because because there's not really a destination, is there? I mean, because you know, we 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 grow up thinking, oh, I need to be this when I grow up, or I need to do that with my life, or this or whatever, and we always set like these goals for us, these aspirations and hopes and dreams and everything like that. But that's not really the point, like you said, Marla. It's not the like, point. Wants to be happy, and that seems so boring. Oh, right. Mm. I'm not. I mean, in the very beginning, before I started my spiritual journey, that was just boring. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make something out of myself. I need there to be a beginning, a middle, and an end. But when I realized that all that does is it sinks me deeper and deeper into the bondage of self. But practicing is what gives me the relief. 
you know, I'm glad you said that. Thank you, Marla. And you know, it also is not even helping the most people we can help. It's not (laughs) taking those goals that we had in the world and applying them to recovery or, or things that we think are good things, you know? No, I think we have to be happy with, you know, like turning out our children nicely, you know, or being happy with, you know, my loving my parents again, or, you know, having close friends. I don't, I don't feel a need to share everything with the entire world. If I can be good to them, kind to them, and it helps them with their day, that's all I need. I don't need to shout or make myself known. But what if your kids don't turn out good? I would blame myself and, and, you know, just swallow a bunch of alcohol. No, I don't think I, I don't I just, there's a lot of luck involved with raising kids, by the way. Yeah. But what I'm saying though is that's another one of those externals that we validate ourselves with. Yeah. You know, um, I kind of like this. This is this is Romans 12. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Quickly respond to it. So offer your moment up as an offering. What's important is what God's doing for you, not what you're doing for him. And then when you see God do something, you just respond. And just keep doing that in more moments of the day. That's Romans 12 in the message verse. Um, But isn't that, that's what this is saying. You know, that's why it's trudging the road of happy destiny, not the road to happy destiny. Because it's the journey. And what is it the journey to? For me, I think it's the journey to being surrendered in more moments of the day. That's the journey. It's an inward, the whole thing's inward. It's all an inward journey. There's no outward goals. Hmm. You got something, Amy? I see squirrels. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're squirrels. They're dwarf hamsters. <laughs> there's tons of them. Dwarf hamsters. There's more in there, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I just lost them. Um, I mean, there's a lot of them going around and around. Um, yeah. I'll get back to you. <laughs> It's just a description of a surrendered life is what it is. I remember the innermost, the innermost self. We had to concede to our innermost selves, right? Deep down Mm -hmm. in every man, woman, child is the fundamental idea. So just at that inner core, right? Mm -hmm. Is where we have to be. And it's still, all I keep hearing is acceptance and humility, acceptance and humility. And emotional sobriety, like Dan already mentioned. That's just what I keep hearing every time I look at this or we bring up another point or you read another story or a Bible verse or whatever. It's just, you know, and and Marla, something you said about happiness and 
you know, and, and then somebody said, you know, what we wanted to be. And as little kids, you know, alcoholic drug addict definitely were not on my list of things I wanted to be. Right. I mean, they just weren't. <laughs> um, but all of a sudden I was, and then like in some twisted way, I was accepting of that. I, I didn't necessarily want to do anything about it for a long time because I was still chasing that happiness that I thought those things gave me. Right. But that's because I wasn't deep down to my innermost self where I could surrender Mm -hmm. and start to be, I had to get empty. Here's these buzzwords, right? (laughs) I had to get empty before I could be filled with, with the, with the good stuff. And I think, I think addicts aren't addicts inherently selfish. I know I was. Um, all I cared about was, you know, going out and getting loaded, as loaded as I could and damn the consequences. I'll deal with those later. But it was also that ego that was keeping me in that addiction for almost 30 years. I can handle this. I got this. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a high functioning alcoholic. I, I just laugh every time I hear that because I call myself that. Because I never missed a day of work, you know, on the, uh, by all outward appearances, I had my shit together, but in, deep down inside, I was a total mess. But, and I, that, that's where the surrender and acceptance comes in for me. Uh, until I made that surrender, I could not get better. And um, that, that surrender on day one was the big one, but yeah, I, every morning I have to surrender. I have to say, okay, this, you know, no matter what happens today, I'm not going to pick up that first drink and everything else will take care of itself from there. So I just have to, I just have to be open and aren't, aren't some of the best moments in life, the, the unexpected moments. I mean, for me, they are. Like coming on this meeting, I, you know, I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to make it today. And I had, I had to go away for, to do some phone calls and stuff, but I got the gist of it. And I'm so glad I came because I heard what I needed to hear today. So thank you all for, for sharing. That was, you guys made my day. Thanks, Paul. God grant me the emptiness to accept the things I cannot change. The emptiness to change the things I can in the emptiness to know the difference. God grant me the surrender to accept the thing, uh, things I cannot change. Surrender to change the things I can in the surrender I need to know the difference. That's how I can act without meddling, without taking control like Craig said in the beginning. Hmm. Good stuff. It is. How hard was that for you with your son? Do you remember even a year ago or two years ago with your son trying not to meddle? I'm talking to you, buddy. Trying not to meddle. And you you were really good about that because he was getting into some trouble. Yeah. You were just like, let, let him do what he needs to do and not meddling. And And everyone else was meddling. Everyone in the family was meddling. They were all trying to fix him. That's what so, families are for, and that's what they do. Yeah. I, I knew better, though. I knew I had to really just not meddle. And for your sanity. 
Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if I'm meddling, that means I'm starting to control. And if I'm starting to control, then I'm investing in an outcome. So my peace goes from something that's happening within that I can do something about to something out here that I can do nothing about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Having no control over anything. We have no control over anything. Just because we love someone doesn't mean that we can meddle. You know, I was in a um, a book study last night and we were reading chapter seven, working with others. And like for like most of up until page, what, like 96, 97, it talks about that whole hands off approach. Like don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, just tell the alcoholic about your own experiences. Don't preach. Don't do anything else. And don't give, don't don't give that person like anything from your bank, right? Like, yeah, okay, roof over their head for a second or two, great. But like, they can't be depending on you, and you can't be funding them. You can't be like clothing them and housing them and all that kind of stuff. Because all that does is pushes the recovery off. That just made me think about that. That's all. Even to the point of telling them they may need to go drink some more. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and tell them myself, I'm shitty at doing that. (laughs) I hope to get better. You guys are helping me put that back into perspective. Well, this is the thing, Dan. When you know that you do not have the solution. You're just describing how the solution worked for you. You're not the one in control of the solution. It's easier not to take control and try to fix Man. because if you try to fix it saying, I know, I know the for- secret formula here, I'll give you the formula. Then you can be like me, you know, or whatever, you know, like you can be fixed too, you know? Not for even from a pride or ego thing. It could even come from a from a good motive that you just yeah. want them to be well. Yeah, the, the the way they get well, and in, in my thinking, according to my experience, is by learning to surrender, like I had to surrender, learning to be empty, like I learned to be empty to a degree uh, enough to get some relief from my alcoholism, and that yeah. took miserableness absolute miserableness to the point of suicide for me to do it because I'm so stubborn that I'm going to continue to the very nth degree that I can. Then finally I say, okay, I'm done. And then everything was better. I'm like, is that all I had to do? (laughs) Was give up. I could have done this a long time ago. What is this about? You know? Yeah. I always look at it, you know, nobody could save me. So what makes me think I could save anybody else? Right. I think that too. It's like, I, I, I'm so, I don't have it down. I can't, how can I share it with somebody else? I, I think we get the wrong idea of what the recovery is we are to share. Yeah. You know? Agreed. It's not to help people, it's to share how it happened for us. And if they get help or not, it's up to them. It's not up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Good stuff. And it's not even, like I said, it's not even about writing more books and doing more. And it's not at the end of your life saying you help all these people. 
it's about just doing what's in front of you to do. And if that means writing a book, so be it. If that means helping hundreds or thousands of people, so be it. But that's not the goal. The goal is just to do what's in front of you and offer your offer the moment you're in as an offering. And when you see something, just respond. That's all. And if you're doing that, though, it says here that he grew boundless, boundlessly grew. He was wide-minded, draw, drew all to himself, draws all. So he was adding to this flow of life, and he was ever-expanding and flourishing in ways different from what people seeking outside uh, mm-hmm. pleasure or, or their joy from something outside of them could not see. Hmm. That's good, guys. Anything else? Just another mind-expanding Thursday afternoon. <laughs> that was good. I'm glad y'all brought that because I didn't. Uh, I didn't have all that. I never do. I mean, it's amazing how this it just expands and. Well, yeah, yeah. that's why there's so many different versions of, or so many different uh, versions of of these. Uh, Writings. Everybody's got a different point of view. Well, this is the thing, Marla. I think what we're talking about is like looking at a work of art or sculpture, and we're all looking at it from a different angle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the light may be coming in. You may be seeing it this way, or you may be seeing it this way. And here you've got the Dallas version of surrendering the moment, really, and the results of that. And then we talked about the Bible way that they talk about that in Romans. Same thing. They're just seeing the sculpture from a different point of view, just a little different, seeing the same thing. Same with my, uh, my Roya can story, same thing. And then what we read in recovery, same thing. It's just seeing the same sculpture from a different point is all looking at the same thing. So yeah, it's good. Trudging the road of happy destiny. Anything else, guys? No, good meeting. Everyone good? Okay. Well, yep. We'll... Thank you, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll call Thank it you. there and uh, have a great week. You too. Remember to oh. share strawberries. Oh, yeah, the strawberries, yes. Oh, yeah. I'll bring some tonight. <laughs> share strawberries. That's that's yeah. the main takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> Give away the strawberries. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, collard, or collard greens. Or collards. Yeah, yeah. Collards. Collards and strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet and savory. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.